You're with Bruce Whitfield on 702. Let's walk the talk. The Money Show brought to you by APSA. We do more so you can. That's Africanacity. APSA is a registered FSP. Good evening and welcome to The Money Show, the BFH edition, the broadcast from home edition of The Money Show, as we all tread a lot more cautiously uh, around COVID-19 as this dreadful spike, this third wave takes its toll in so many areas of our lives. It's really good to be with you this evening as we listen to Eyewitness News at 7 o'clock with Wesley Peterson. Um, and it's <laughs> the High Court is now saying, well, it'll deliver its judgment on Friday as to whether or not Jacob Zuma has got any wriggle room to get out of his jail sentence that the Constitutional Court has imposed upon him. As far as I can tell, the Constitutional Court order stands. And Becky Taylor has got till midnight tomorrow night to arrest the former president and to take him to Chucky. And should the High Court on Friday rule? I don't know if it can. Oh, it's so confusing. But I think that's the point. Dalia Bofu today in court, tying himself and the court, trying to tie the court and the nation up in knots. What a shambles. What a mess. But we watch the space and South Africa's politics is always incredibly noisy. South Africa's politics is always incredibly hard fought. Um, and I think patience is the order of the day. We might not like it. We might want to see justice served. But I hold a, a great deal of confidence. Unlike many commentators in social media who believe that the end is nigh, that, you know, in the fullness of time, logic prevails. We watch the space very, very closely. Andy Rice with our Heroes and Zeros this evening. Good to have, uh, be with you, Andy Rice. You want to talk this evening, before we go into our Heroes and Zeros, uh, about the conferencing industry and how this CFH, Conference from Home, thing has really taken hold in the same way as you're sitting at home this evening, I'm sitting at home this evening, a different home, just for the record, um, and uh, we, we've, we're channeling ourselves via two different studios, one in Cape Town, one in Johannesburg. And there's this extraordinary process of a broadcast happening in a way that 18 months ago, I don't think either of us would have imagined we'd be participating in. Bruce, to be in the center of technological progress, of the, the, the cutting edge of broadcasting, <laughs> here we are. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to have a quick chat about uh, the sort of virtual conferencing market as it seems to be evolving because I've uh, been involved or attended or been a delegate at a few uh, conferences this year, nowhere near as many as you, which is why I think your opinion would be um, really valuable. And it just seems to me that this category of virtual conferencing has got past the barrier that says, ooh, this is beyond us, we'll only, we'll only have glitches the whole way through to a, a much more confident stance and uh, as a result i think that the delegates delegate numbers that attend regular conferences seem to be climbing i don't have any any um, research figures to justify that it's purely an observation but for instance just to give one example just to show that it's not a price issue um the nedbank imc conference the, the, the big marketing conference of the year in my view uh, is coming up at the end of July, and they have um, they're, they're going to break the 1,000 delegate market uh, and a mark, and that's paid for delegates. That's and these tickets, yeah, they're good value, but they're not cheap. It's about two grand a head to go to this conference, and um, when you see the speaker profile, I imagine you'll, you'll say, well, that's probably worth it. But it, it seems to me um, other 
conferences, UK run and globally run, um, are, are attracting a lot of support directly by delegates. And I, I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, I think it may be that uh, the, the, the one thing that you can't really do in the virtual market of conferencing is the qualitative networking opportunity. So people gather during the breaks and whisper during the presentations and uh, chat over the lunches and things and, and, and really make more contacts and network uh, growth than they would, would be able to do online, if at all. So with that section missing, if you like, the conference organizers have perhaps had to up their game in terms of content to make sure they are still an attractive option. And I wonder if the, the market won't in the longer term split into two distinct categories. Um, the uh, there's a huge convenience. Yeah, there's a huge convenience factor, Andy. I mean, the fact is that you you may want to go to the conference, but you can't take a full day out of your work life in order to go and drive, park, um, stand in a queue, enter into the venue, find a seat. That's half your morning gone already. Um, sit down uh, and go through the platitudes of welcomes and all of that sort of stuff, and finally get into the meat and potatoes of the conference by ten o'clock in the morning. Uh, then stop and have a long lunch and have the networking, all of it, which is valuable. They go to the afternoon session, leave at five, get stuck in traffic, all of that stuff, which is the nature of the conferencing industry. Um, and, I mean, a lot of people are going to miss that and want to go back to it. But there's a huge uh, sort of convenience element to be able to get the very best insights from around the world because also now uh, it is much easier to Zoom great talent from all over the world onto the same platform. I think it's a it's a brilliant and long sought after innovation and I think it's here to stay. Yeah, look, I think you're right. That convenience factor is important and there is something masochistically enjoyable about the, the, the travel to and from the conference center. But I think look, I want, that we're in- I want it, Andy. I want it. I well, want to go and I, and I want to stand in the queue and not worry about people breathing on me. But yes, I miss that stuff. I really do. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I think that uh, we run the danger of sounding more and more like the prophets of doom in the publishing industry who said that retail bookstores were doomed and gone forever um, because of technology. It's not always a, a, a win-lose um, game, a, 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 a something-some game, a, a, a zero-some zero game. game. So, that's right, yes. I got, I'll get there in the end. And um, <laughs> I think that we'll find that they evolve into slightly different characters. And if there are going to be two separate industries, then, then they will be distinct for their potential benefits, which for the, for the, the real world does include networking. Well, it certainly does. I, I don't know if you've seen this new Russian law, which has instructed French champagne makers to label their bottles as sparkling wine. Now, France, of course, has got the uh, champagne moniker. It's the only place in the world that can call champagne champagne. But the Russians now want the, uh, the French to put champanskoya. Um, on uh, on only their sparkling wine, and they want the French to dump the use of champagne. And the the French are saying, "Hold on a second, but this is completely unacceptable." Uh, and uh, like Bastille has got protections in Europe now as well. This is such a wonderful, wonderful fight, isn't it? Well, the issue of provenance has long been a, a discussion point in branding, and uh, particularly, as it turns out, in, in, in wine and other liquor brands. And I think the South African liquor industry has historically had to put forward a very strong case why uh, products uh, that are effectively port or champagne can be called that or not. And, I, and 
the European Union certainly ruled on the fact that you have to uh, have some legitimate claim to the provenance of your brand and not just uh, hijack. So cheddar cheese suddenly had to come from, from the Cheddar Gorge only and Milton Mowbray pork pies and things like that. If you have a, a, a geographical entity to your brand name, then you probably have to prove it, which oh, how are they going to do that with Mars bars? <laughs> steady, Andy, steady. Um, now, listen, let's talk about heroes and zeros if we can. TBWA and MTN have been recognized for being very, very smart at the Can Lion Awards. Let's play you, George, um, just an extract from MTN's latest ad talking about masks, and this is close to your heart, Andy, uh, in an ad made by TBWA. Play it away, George. This boy, I go tell your mama for you. I go tell your mama for you. Just wait, eh? I go tell your mama for you. Make you wear your mask. If not, I go tell your mama. I'm frightened. I'm terrified. Don't tell my mother. Please. Everyone's scared of their mother. I don't care who they are. Um, even Dalian Porfu would be scared of his mother, Andy Rice. Well, yeah, that was the uh, Nigerian... Uh, uh, element of a pan-African campaign. But the, the concept in all markets is, is beautifully simple. It simply says, um, don't uh, forget to wear your mask because otherwise we'll tell your mum about the things you get up to. Now, uh, the, the images behind that soundtrack you heard consist of the, the archetypal youth groups running amok in the streets and, and uh, doing just about everything that's still this side of the law until somebody actually starts wagging a finger at the, this terrible behavior and says, you better stop that, otherwise I'm going to tell your ma. And this is a much bigger threat than, uh, than anything else. Your, your mother is, the, is the, uh, the center of authority in the family and uh, you forever saying, I love my mum to bits, and so you do. But actually, when uh, when you invoke her name to get behaviour change, somehow there's a there's a, a an advantage, and the kids who define themselves as as free, out there, defiant, um, unafraid, running the streets are are in fact quite timid little creatures who quiver in their boots when it comes to to mum being there. What I really like about it, apart from the fact that it's a nice piece of advertising, is the fact that it is the only campaign, and I think I mentioned this earlier uh, some some months ago when it was first released, it's the only campaign in the fight against the pandemic that seems to me to, to fulfill the need to um, demonstrate why you should do something and not just what you should do. You can stand up in the middle of those same streets and shout to your blue in the face that you must wear your your masks. You'll get nowhere until the other half of the threat comes through or else we'll tell your mum. So it's a very nice piece of, of uh, I hope, effective advertising, good enough to win uh, with TBWA and one other campaign of theirs, the, the Blame No More campaign on, on uh, sexual violence, um, collectively making TBWA the agency of the year in the in the uh, purpose awards which is the leading kind of cause marketing awards very very um, it was a nice quote actually from the chief creative officer of cbwa one pete curry who said brands and agencies that are doing more than they're saying are building their businesses for future success doing more than they're saying i like that very very nice and tell me about your zero please well, um, watching a little bit of television, as I do um, most days, uh, you're exposed to a, 
some categories that really do kind of bombard you. And, and I'm, I'm uh, drawn to the, uh, the online casino, lottery, gambling, whatever you may call it, category. Um, and I'm drawn to it out of uh, annoyance more than anything else because there are so many brands competing for space there. You can have Superbet, Sunbet, Hollywood Bets, Yeti, Springbok Bets, Yebo, Thunderbolt, Bet Coza. And they're all, without exception, grey, vanilla, uh, lit up by the occasional sparkling lights from the casino itself. Um, but there's no brand differentiation, no brand distinction. There is perhaps only one that I've seen which I can recall spontaneously, and that is um, Lotto Star. And that's for two reasons. One, because it's a, it's, it's a Lotto brand rather than the conventional kind of casino games. And two, because they're the sponsors of MasterChef Australia, which I'm hooked on. So you'll probably find that unless you can f uh, embellish your casino gambling gaming brand with some point of difference, some some real genuine uh, reason to be selected rather than the, the next competitor lining up at the at the, at the camera. Um, unless you can find that, you're just going to be, as I say, a product rather than a brand. And uh, even if it's a, a media distinction, as is the case for Lotto Star, the sponsorship of a television program. You've just got to do something to elevate those brands out of grayness. And I just think that the whole category of uh, online TV-driven gaming and, and, and uh, laptop-driven gaming deserves a zero for just uh, ignoring all the rules of branding to their own cost, in my view. Andy Rice with 